Hi, Kristen. Um, how many of you have read, like as we're reading through John, how many of you have read at least the first four chapters? Raise your hand. <laughs> if you're online, feel free to raise them in the comments, but I won't be able to see them. <laughs> okay. So, I am in chapter, we're in chapter five. I don't know if I, look. That's, that's not my sermon. Just thing. skip it, I'm sorry. That did, it, <laughs> it's changed everywhere else. Okay. <laughs> so chapter five starts out with the word afterward. So we're gonna recap what's been covered so far. In John chapter 1, it starts with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything was created by the Word, or through the Word. And the Word came to restore creation, but was not recognized for who he was. John the Baptist was baptizing and preaching repentance. He sees Jesus and says, this is the one that's coming after me, at, for whom I'm not will, uh, I'm not that he's not worthy to uh, untie his sandals. So he's not willing to be his servant, or not not willing, worthy to be his servant. Tongue tied. <laughs> then he also says that this is the Lamb of God. This is the one that I've been speaking about. And says that his ministry must become, or that Jesus' ministry must become greater while his becomes less. There was also a wedding in Cana where Jesus performed his first miraculous sign. We, we discussed that. That was the first one of the series. Um, only a handful of people, besides the servants at the wedding, which I'm sure were a multitude, knew that Jesus had turned that water into wine. Everybody else just thought that they brought out really good wine at the end. Okay? Um, I think that's important. The first sign, only a handful of them. Then Jesus performs the second miraculous sign. He heals a royal official's son with his word alone. He was a distance away. He says um, to the royal official, your son will live. The guy goes, okay, turns around, heads home. While he's there, somebody's, the people from his house come and say, hey, your son is well. And he says, when did that happen? It happened about one o'clock yesterday. He said, uh, and he realized that was when Jesus said, your son will live. So the people who knew that that miraculous sign happened, knew that he had been sure, was, um, well, were just another handful of people. Um, the household, because and that entire household believed. So, it was after that, that Jesus returned to Jerusalem. 
for one of his Jewish, uh, for one of the Jewish holy days. I'm not used to this thing. So, inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. So when I read that, I'm just checking here. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I immediately think, why? Why would there be crowds of people that are sick sitting at these porches by a pool? That seems like a weird thing to do. But it was in their custom, there was a mineral spring right around that area that caused bubbles to form in that pool. Stirred, stirred the waters up a little bit. And when that happened, people would rush to get into that pool because it was said that they would be healed. And obviously it happened because otherwise people wouldn't be, sit around waiting for to be healed that way if it hadn't ever happened that way. <laughs> um, they claimed it was an angel that came and stirred. Uh, the waters, but that was just one of their ways of talking about it, and they would race to this pool um, when it wouldn't be so. So, did you not use NLP? It's okay, it doesn't matter. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Okay, so when there is someone sick, there are a couple things that happen that I think are important to note. One, they aren't allowed in the temple. If you have any imperfections, like a pimple or anything, you cannot go into the temple and be in God's presence. That's sad, but it was how it was. So, he wasn't allowed to be where God was. The second thing is that this man's case, or in this man's case, he couldn't walk or stand. He was paralyzed at least from the waist down. Um, so he couldn't work. So he had to beg and depend on family for his arrival. So, when Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? How many of you think that it's a given that a sick person, that a sick person would want to get well? <laughs> right? Now, I, I know that it's not a given anymore <laughs> um, because there are people who don't want to have to work for a living, who are happy not having to go to the temple for uh, ceremonies and holidays or holy days. <laughs> um, and there, there are plenty of people who are like that. So... Are there people who would say, 
No, I am perfectly fine and content where I'm at. Yes, there are. Does that mean that this guy is one of them? Not necessarily. <laughs> but he's been sick for 38 years. So, Jesus asks him, would you like to get well? And his response was not an answer to Jesus' question. I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the bubble, water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. He tells Jesus why he can't get healed and was probably hoping that Jesus would give him some money. Because as I said, they had to beg and ask for money. But Jesus had something else in mind. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Jesus gave a command. It was obeyed. He was healed. In all actuality, the order goes like this. Jesus gave a command. He was healed. And then he obeyed. But this... Uh, Okay, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, The man who healed me told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crack. What I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff in there, but what I gather is here the man is, he was healed without knowing who Jesus was. He didn't know who Jesus was. And the man assumed, since Jesus could heal him, that he had the authority to tell him to carry his mat on the Sabbath. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. So one of, what I noticed there is that the man goes into the temple for the first time in 38 years. And when I read that, you go, This man, if that's the first place he goes, must be a kind of holy man, a righteous man. But, Jesus then goes on and says, stop sinning. Which suggests that this man was sick from a consequence of sin, and that he continued to sin while he was sick. It also hints that there is something worse than physical ailment that sin can cause. We know this. <laughs> We talk about it, separation from God. Um, and Jesus, later in the chapter, mentions that there will be dead people brought back to life to be judged by him. 
And we don't know what sin he was committing. We don't. But we do know that once he hears this warning, the man changes his tune. The man went and told the Jewish leaders that Jesus, it was Jesus who healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. In the Bible times, and even some today, but not as much, a son often became what his father was. The father was a shepherd, the son became a shepherd. Father was a fisherman, the son became a fisherman. Um, you learned the trade from your father and became every bit as skilled as your father could be. And Jesus uses this knowledge of the father and son relationship to explain that he does what God does. And that God has given him authority to judge, give life, and work on the Sabbath. Mm. From there, he goes into how he has witnesses. For a person's testimony to be believed, two or more men had to agree to this testimony. And then they said, it's fact. Two people agreed. Jesus says, John the Baptist was a witness that Jesus is God. And we already recapped that he, in fact, did say, this is the Lamb of God. This is the yeah, this is the guy that's coming after me. The great guy. He's the one. But also, his signs and miracles that he performs were testimony to that fact as well. But then he goes on and says, and scripture, <laughs> the scripture, the Old Testament at the time, but all scripture now, uh, refers to him as the Messiah points to him as being the Son of God and makes it so that the people should, in fact, listen to his words. And then he goes on and says another one. So not, not two, not three, four. He says Moses also testified about him. The guy that the people were quoting saying, you can't carry your mat on the Sabbath was the guy who also testified that this is Jesus, the Son of God. Everything pointing to Jesus. They were missing the point. Because the point was to direct them to Jesus. It doesn't stop there. We have been healed from our sins. We no longer have to fear judgment. So, we should also be telling people and testifying that Jesus is God. If you don't know, aren't confident, convinced, decided that Jesus is God, there is still good news in this passage. Because there are going to be some of you that don't, that aren't sure. Is he really God, or did he just say he was God? He's a good man. There are going to be some that say that. 
But they're still good news. Because you do not need to know who Jesus is for him to see you and for him to heal your brokenness. You do not need to know who he is for him to reach into your life and make it better. Yes. He can restore you from the consequences of your sins without you knowing who he is yet. And if you have questions about that, um, or want prayer for some restoration, you can message me on Facebook, email me at pastorkristinhaines at gmail.com, or message the church's Facebook page. If you fall into this category, your sermon in a sentence is slightly different. It is, Jesus is God, but if you aren't convinced of that yet, it's okay. Now, on the other hand, if you are decided, if you do know that Jesus is God, you have some work to do with the help of the Holy Spirit. You should be striving to live without sin. Stop sinning. But you should also be testifying to the fact that Jesus has already restored you. That Jesus has healed you. That Jesus is, has brought you into a right relationship with God. Because he is God. And your sermon in a sentence is Jesus is God. And we should be telling people that. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Jesus always keeps his promise. Sometimes we're not, a, a, we are not aware. But I just want you to know that he's always kept his promise. His promise was where two or three are together in his name, you'll be there. So I'm telling you now, in case you haven't noticed, Jesus is here. And that can give us great joy. And because we've been with him here, we can go wherever it is that the rest of this week takes us, confident that he'll still be with us. And as we go, we go as people who are sent by Jesus, sent with Jesus, to meet whatever challenges and circumstances we might face. So, as I have done frequently, I do again. Folks, you are sent. Holy Spirit, fill us with your love and your grace, your power and your presence. Touch lives through us.
Jesus' name. Amen. Go.